And so I fell into consulting. I didn't even know what a consultant was or did, but I said, sure, it sounded like a great opportunity. And then the company that I was brought into and that I was consulting with was doing lean manufacturing. So I fell into lean and, you know, lean for anybody who's not familiar with it is really all about eliminating waste and really focusing on customer value. So you're focused on the things that really make a difference and you're eliminating everything else. And that just made so much sense to me. And I completely fell in love with Lean. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton. And if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, friends, you know hopefully, unless you just stumbled upon this podcast by accident, that this is a positive productivity podcast where I talk about productivity and automation and a whole lot more. I mean, anything entrepreneurship, the good, the bad, the ugly, how positive productivity is not perfect, but it doesn't need to be painful. Well, today we're going to be talking with Krista Grasso. And you know what, Krista, I didn't even ask you if it's Grasso, Grasso, Krista, you know, like proper way to pronounce your name. I just went in assuming I need to learn not to assume. Did I do okay though? You did wonderful. It's Krista Grasso. So right on. (laughs) People mispronounce Sutton. That's impressive. Yeah. (laughs) Sutton. Like we know it's a telemarketer when they say our name wrong. But one of the reasons why I'm really excited about our conversation today, Krista, is by just the topic of achieving more by doing less. That has been a struggle with me for let's just be honest, the last nine years as a business, but I would imagine, and this is going to date stamp this episode, I would imagine that I'm not alone, that it's been even more difficult in this last year, the year of COVID, because a lot of us have had to be creative. Have you seen that with your clients, like where we have to be creative to keep our income up, but sometimes we tend to go out of our lane and think that we need to do more to achieve more when I know that's not the case. Yeah. And that was such a common pattern for so many people last year and so many of my clients, because in some cases, their business didn't change that much due to COVID. Others had really big impacts, but the rest of their household around them changed. Their husbands were suddenly home or their kids were suddenly home and they were homeschooling, which they weren't planning on doing. And so even if their business itself didn't shift, which in some cases it did for some of them, but for those who were lucky enough where their business model lent itself pretty well to working in a fully remote world, it still meant that their household changed and there were a lot of things that they needed to pivot and they found themselves working a lot harder or sometimes not quite as productively as they had previously. Do you have a camera in my house? (laughs) Because now that you say that, 2020 was actually the best year in my business because the quality of the client's investment that the clients made went up, their value of the services that they received went up. They were less of the micromanaging style, so respectful. You know, they really respected what I do. So on that standpoint, I would call 2020 a more productive year and I achieved more. However, just like you said, there was so much more going on. I feel like if 2020 clients had been combined with 2019, everybody out of the house, including my husband, it would have been a banner year. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations for having the year that you had, especially during a year that was challenging for so many people. Thank you. I want to stay on this just one more moment. When I started my business, 
I want to know how you got into this. But when I started my business, I thought that just because I could do something meant I should and that I needed to say yes to everybody. And I was still saying yes to everybody in 2019. Well, let me clarify. I was saying yes to everybody as long as they were in a specific industry, but I wasn't qualifying them in any way. And it turned into an extremely stressful year because I was still saying yes. And I realized basically I crashed at the end of 2019 that something really needed a change. And I did a drastic change. I let go of my biggest client ever. And I really stepped up who I was going to work with and they had to meet qualifications. I want to hear how your journey really came to be though. And before I keep on rambling here, but I started the Positive Productivity Podcast in 2016, not really knowing what it was. And it's really taken these nearly five years to figure out what positive productivity means to me. But how did you get to where you are today and being the expert on, you know, achieving more by doing less and everything else that you speak and work on? Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, probably so many of us, and I'm sure probably like you too, it was a bit of a winding road, some happy accidents that just kind of pulled things together in ways that I probably couldn't have planned if I tried. But I actually had initially gone to college and I was a fine art major. And I always knew that I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. I knew that I wanted to have my own business. I wasn't fully sure what it was going to be. For a while, I thought it might be photography. But while I was in school, I said, you know what, if I'm going to run a business for the rest of my life, I should probably learn a little bit about business. And so I ended up actually graduating with a business degree. And like so many people, I graduated with some lovely college loans. And so I had decided that I would work for a few years, pay that down while I was trying to figure out what I really wanted to do for my own business. And the first job that I ended up getting was a morning customer of mine at a Starbucks I was managing had offered me an opportunity. And he said, I'd love to have you come work for me, but the only way that we can make this happen as quick as I need is if you come in as a consultant. And so I fell into consulting. I didn't even know what a consultant was or did, but I said, sure, it sounded like a great opportunity. And then the company that I was brought into and that I was consulting with was doing lean manufacturing. So I fell into lean and you know, lean for anybody who's not familiar with it is really all about eliminating waste and really focusing on customer value. So you're focused on the things that really make a difference and you're eliminating everything else. And that just made so much sense to me. And I completely fell in love with lean and I really ended up liking consulting. And then I did go on and I started my business. It was a jewelry business, which I still have today. It's called Chris Cara. And I ended up doing what so many business owners do when they first start. And I worked way too hard. I got myself to the point of almost burning out. I almost put myself out of business with insane amounts of debt. And I just really went about my business the hardest, most complex way possible. And I had this epiphany moment one day where I was thinking, why is it that the businesses that I'm consulting with are all having these amazing, incredible results? And here I am in my own business struggling, and I'm not following any of the things that I tell them to do. Why am I not doing this? And it was one of those kind of like dull moments that you have after the fact. But of course, when you're in it, you're so busy and you're working so hard and you're trying so hard to get traction and get things off the ground and find product market fit and do all those things that sometimes you don't even see it. And once I had that realization, that just made all the difference in the world. And so I ended up applying what I do with the large businesses and helping them lean out. So really achieving more by doing less, right? Less of the things that aren't adding value to their clients 
and aren't adding profits to their business and more of the things that are. And I took that and applied that to my own business. And that was honestly how the lean out method that I do today was born. First was applying it to my own business and then working with a lot of other business owners and also helping them achieve more by doing less. So very winding road, um, but a lot of happy accidents that kind of got me to what I do today. I'm cracking up over here because <laughs> I went to art school myself and left with a whole fine stack of student loans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't realize right away that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but yeah, working in an office just wasn't for me. Like having my bathroom and lunch breaks timed. No, thanks. Right. It was really interesting how you were saying about being too close and not seeing the whole picture because that's how I've been. I have no problem sharing the skills and the strategies with clients, but when it comes to my own business, it's like, what's going on here? Why? And it made me so frustrated for years. Why is it working for everybody else and not for me? And I am also classically stubborn, like A plus 4.0 GPA in stubbornness. <laughs> so it takes me about 18 times for somebody to recommend that I change something before I'll listen. And I don't want to be this way, but the first 17 times I might be a little bit offended that they're recommending that I do something different because at first it feels like there's a lack of faith in what I do, but then I realize, oh, I see it now. And my friends and my husband have learned not to say, I told you so, but they're usually the ones who get me to step back and take a look at the big picture and then realize, hmm, maybe something can be different. Can you talk more about lean? Because I've, I've always been intrigued, but I've never really understood. <laughs> so lean pretty much grew up in the manufacturing world. And there's something called the Toyota Production System, TPS. That was really kind of where Lean had gotten its roots back in the early 1900s. It was like 1920s, 1930s. And what it really was, was if you think about manufacturing, when you manufacture a product, in this case, it was Toyota, so it was vehicles. Well, you want those products to be really consistent, right? You want to produce a really consistent product. You don't want two different people to buy a vehicle and one is completely different than the other one. There's a set expectation that it's going to be the same, the same level of quality. And if you think about the whole manufacturing process itself, to build a car, think about how many different pieces and components and widgets go into actually building that vehicle, plus how many different people need to touch that from the time you have just an idea to actually rolling a car off the production line. <laughs> and so if you think about all of that, it's really, really important that you're being as productive as possible that you're eliminating all of your waste in the system because it's really expensive if you don't. But you also want that consistency and quality in the product itself. And you want a product that's meeting your customer demands. And so lean really was a way of doing all of that. And over the years, right, I, when I talk about lean and I work with small businesses on lean, I really work more with service-based businesses, coaches, consultants. So lean can apply beyond manufacturing. It's where it got its roots but the concepts themselves are just so universally applicable that I think they're relevant for any business because who doesn't want to do more things that add value to their client and eliminate waste and things that don't add value in their business, right? I think that's true for everybody. 
Oh, this is so good. I've seen clients or I've heard clients tell me that they've spent $250,000 on courses and never opened up any of them, that they have all these different pieces of software, a lot of them which overlap and they're paying monthly subscriptions for them or annual subscriptions. And they're just holding on because they got this great deal, but they never touch it for a year. And then the monthly or the annual renewal comes up and they pay it again. And they think, yeah, I'll use it this year, but it's a never ending cycle. And they have team members who aren't necessarily being productive. They're there. They might tinker in the business and they're getting, you know, a healthy invoice payment every couple of weeks, but they're not really contributing to the big picture. Are these all factors that you would look at when helping a small business? Oh, absolutely. And those are so common, so common. I mean, for those of you listening, if you think about your business and you really take an honest look at it, you probably have scenarios where those things are true. And so usually what I do with people, if you think about getting lean and you think about achieving more by doing less, well, that all starts with clarity. You have to know what actually matters and what's actually important in order to eliminate what isn't. And that's the hardest piece for people sometimes, especially when they're really overworked or really overwhelmed. And they're so busy in the weeds with a to-do list that like should have its own zip code. And they're just working, 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 that it can be hard to take that step back sometimes and really get the clarity on what matters. And so the very first thing that I do with people, Lean Out Method itself has four pillars. And the first one is context and the second is clarity. And so we start with the context. We start with vision of, you know, what do you see for your business? What do you want to be known for? Who do you want to work with? What's the transformation or result that you want to be helping your clients get? And where do you see yourself in that? You have to look at yourself as the business leader and also your lifestyle, because most of us did not start a business to work 24 by 7 and hustle nonstop. It's not why we went into business, but over the years, that just becomes the norm and you kind of forget all those other things that were important to you. Right. And so when we look at that vision, we always look very holistically and say, you know, when you look into the future, what does your business look like? What does your life look like? What are you doing? What's your role in the company? And then what about your customers? Where are your customers in the future? What are they going to need from you? And we start there and then we take a look at your business model. And what I frequently see is people have a disconnect. They've got a business model that's never going to take them to their vision, or they have things really complex. And that's where you will find team members, tools, processes, systems, a whole lot of things in the business that are unnecessary, that are duplicative, or that just simply aren't generating the right results because they're not focused directionally where the business and the leader wants to go. And I think that that's so incredibly important is you need to know where you're going. You need to know why it's important and you need to align your business model to that. And then when we get to clarity, we build a 90-day plan and look at what's important right now in the next 90 days. But that context gives you that directional long-term importance, as well as making sure that you've got a business model to support it. How much does money muddy the waters though? Do you have to help clients get over income goals and look at purpose and mission and feel good heartfelt goals often? Because I found that money was driving a lot of my decisions early on. It can. And I think what happens is at some point in your business, you have a shift. 
And in the beginning, you think about how much is this going to cost me? At some point in your business journey, you have a mindset shift and you start thinking in terms of return on investment, ROI. And you start thinking of what is this going to give me? And it's a really, really different shift. And if you're still in a place where you're thinking, what is this going to cost me? Then just focus on getting to the place where your mindset shifts and you're trying to think of what is this going to get me? Because I feel like it's such a big mindset shift because you have to invest in things in order for your business to grow and scale. And that investment isn't always financial. Sometimes it's time, it's energy, it's focus, it's all of those other pieces. But you do have to actually invest financially in your business in order for it to grow too. And if you're always really concerned about what it's costing me without thinking through that return on that investment, sometimes you're limiting yourself and you're limiting your growth and you're limiting the results that you want (laughs) before you even get there. I'm not sure if you see that as well, but that's something really common that I see. Absolutely. And you know what? I never... Or early on, I would say for the first five years, I didn't realize that sleep was even an investment because when I wasn't sleeping, everything was sucky, period. I mean, it took me longer to get stuff done. I wasn't making clear decisions and investing in ourselves financially. Yes, I struggled with that for so long. How much is this going to cost me? But now I'm looking at how can I invest better to get better results? And I mean, for the record, and I love my podcast production team, but I'm looking at ways now to invest in podcast production that takes care of everything and makes sure that, you know, it all gets marketed exactly how it needs to get marketed without me having to do it. And we can look at cheap and easy, or we can look at sometimes not even notably more expensive, but a minimal more investment with a lot more results. I don't think exponential is the word. Is exponential the word I'm looking for? Sometimes just a minor little step up in the amount that you're paying can produce overwhelmingly more results. Is that exponential? Let's go with exponential because I think it is true though. It is sometimes we think that it needs to be these big, massive things that we do and these massive revolutionary things that we do in our business that are going to get us the results. And it's frequently much more subtle than that. One of the other pillars of Lean Out Method is Kaizen, and that's a lean concept. And it means making small, continuous improvements and changes for the better. And sometimes it's those small pivots and those small, continuous improvements that lead to exactly what you were talking about. You end up getting these big spurts of growth, this more, you know, exponential results that you get. And it's because you're focused on what's working, you're focused on what matters, and you're continually improving that instead of making these big radical changes and doing things new all the time. You just hit me where I needed to be hit. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to tell my best business friend that you got through what he's been telling me for the last year. My friend Richie has been saying, I don't understand why you're building this funnel because you've told me over and over again that you get all new clients through conversation. How often do they come in through funnels, Kim? That's what he's been asking me. Like rarely. He's like, then why are you worrying about a funnel? Like, yeah, you're right, right? Like, why am I worrying about a funnel? He's like, you just need to be worried about getting them into the conversation. And it's Kaizen, exactly. I choked on my coffee when you said the word Kaizen. I just need to let you know that. (laughs) 
for listeners who have been around for a while, you may not realize that I have tattoos and I want Kaizen to be my next tattoo, but I'm so worried that I'm going to get the symbol on my body and it's going to mean something entirely different. You'll have to have it independently verified before it gets done. (laughs) Right. By multiple sources. I just, I'm going to get it fact-checked in 20 different ways. (laughs) What does this symbol mean? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, going back to the lean method, I mean, right there, why am I working harder instead of smarter to build mechanisms just because, quote, everybody else has them rather than improving what I know already works for me? Yeah. And I think that's so critical. And that to me goes back to business model again, right? Like what is the business model that works for you as a business leader? Like that naturally plays to your strengths that aligns with your clients and what they need from you and how and where they need to, you know, what their customer journey is going to look like. That's going to work well and for your industry. And there is no two business models that are exactly alike. And I think what we frequently do, and it might be the natural problem solvers in us, But we take a look at our business and we see the thing that's working and we're like, okay, that's working. We're going to ignore that. Let's double down and try to fix the thing that's not working or create something new because this other thing is already working. When you get far better results, if you optimize what's already working in your business and more often than not, you need to actually lean out and eliminate what isn't working instead of doing what most people do, which is all of their energy on trying to fix something that's giving them no results instead of amplifying what is giving them results already. What would be the first step that you would recommend for a new client to begin leaning out? Because sometimes I just spend too much time at my desk and I don't mean to be so literal here, but leaning out actually means getting out. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Yep. So what do you start by telling your clients to do? Yeah. So it really depends on their starting place. But that being said, the one thing that's pretty universal that I always do with everybody is what I mentioned earlier about setting that vision. I have a next level vision exercise that I go through with them that really does look at what I consider to be the three facets of vision, which is the business, the business owner, and their personal life and lifestyle, as well as the customer and the customer journey. Then we look at their business model and make sure that their business model is in alignment with that. And then the next thing that we do is we build their strategic plan. We build their 90-day plan. And I think that that's really critical. I think you have to do regular strategic planning in your business if you want to be productive and you want to make sure that you're actually working on the right things and the things that matter. You can't be really lean and focused on what matters most if you don't consistently set the expectations around what matters most. And so I start there universally with everybody. We do next level vision. We validate their business model. We create their 90-day plan. What's in their 90-day plan can be very different. For some people, if they find their business model is out of alignment with what they really want to do, maybe they no longer are in love with their business. They kind of have lost that passion that they had for it because over time, they did a lot of shoulding. Well, this person has this. I should add this to my business. Well, maybe I should do this. I should get on this new platform. And they end up just making their business really complex and not doing the things that fuel them and that they really love. So we kind of unpack a lot of that and we'll usually build a 90-day plan that has them leaning some things out while continuing to grow and double down on what's working so that they're continuing to hit their revenue targets or grow their revenue targets so they don't impact that negatively while we're leaning out their business. Krista, how much shedding on yourself did you do? How much what? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? 
Shoulding. S H O U L D I N. Shoulding. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I should have known this. I just said this word. I did a lot of it. And I mentioned in my jewelry business, you know, at the time that I started that business, the way that you grew a business, and I'm saying that in air quotes, is that you went to trade shows you pre-produced all of your collections because people wanted to be able to buy instantly. So what did I do? I invested, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars in every trade show that I would go to. I would travel all around the US to be in the biggest trade shows and hanging next to the really big brands. I pre-designed and pre-invested, I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars into product that nobody bought. And I did it because I should do it. Again, air quotes. That's just how you grow a jewelry brand back at the time that I was doing it. And you know what? It wasn't how you grew a jewelry brand because I almost put myself out of business. And a lot of other people that were alongside me at those shows that I got to be really close friends with and who had amazing businesses and jewelry brands or fashion brands, they did put themselves out of business. And I found a different way to do it. And had they found a different way to do it, they'd still be in business. But sometimes we don't even realize we're shutting. It's just you look around and you're like, well, this is what you do. This is how you do it. And you just assume it's fact instead of validating, does this make sense? And is there an easier way? Hey there, my friend. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. If you haven't gathered by now, I love empowering entrepreneurs with the systems, support, and community to work smarter instead of harder. So today I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com forward slash connect to find a huge list of resources and ways that you can connect with me and my community. Remember, it's not about being everywhere, but it's about being in the best place for our business at the right time. Again, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash connect to see the whole list of ways that you can connect with me and other members of the positive productivity community. Now let's get back to today's episode. I had an e-commerce shop from 2005 to 2010, and I thought that more inventory would mean more sales. And I wound up $100,000 in debt in the business. And it It's 11 years later now, folks. My credit score is finally starting to repair itself. Yeah, and I hate to say it, but that is so common. And that's what happens to so many people because there is that perception. And it's one of those unwritten shoulds that isn't unfortunately true. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I felt so guilty for the longest time. And now I'm realizing everything happens for a reason. Just please, listeners, take some words of wisdom out of this and understand that more doesn't always mean more. So I felt so guilty because we couldn't get a mortgage. We couldn't get a car loan. We couldn't get this. We couldn't get that. And yes, I'm just talking about material stuff, but it was making a huge impact on our family. I mean, having to pay more for rent and get less space. I mean, I got a family of seven. We didn't want less space. We couldn't live in, well, we could have but I didn't want to live in less space. I can't share a room with all seven people. That doesn't work for me. So I felt guilty for a while just because those decisions had led to financial hardship. I'm thankful now. I'm realizing I don't need more to have more. I hope that came across how I I, I knew it. it sounded good in my brain. Let's just put it that way. But I realized that I get into the same routine over and over again. 
And I'm going to go back to Richie again. I was creating a challenge two years ago and I thought, and maybe you've seen this with your clients. I'd love to see or hear how you, perhaps you've seen it or even experienced it in your own business that I had to have the whole challenge created. Actually, I think this is probably what you did with the jewelry business a little bit, that I had to have the whole jewelry or the whole challenge created before I could start talking about it to people. And Richie said, what are they getting? I said, well, every day they get something new. He said, so what if you just stay three days ahead of them and you create as you go, but you start talking about it now? Oh, that's a novel idea. And the same goes for courses. So many entrepreneurs that I've worked with, and probably the same with you, with coaches and consultants, think that they have to have the whole course created before they start talking about it. But no, there's founding member launches to use Stu McLaren's verbiage. There's beta launches. There's live launches where you create as you go with the customers, with the members who sign up. You don't have to have everything created before you started. And sometimes you're just like Krista said, you're wasting time because in the end, nobody wants it because you never even bothered asking. Sad, but true. (laughs) There is a concept in Lean called Minimum Viable Product, MVP. And I think this is something that all entrepreneurs should really be leveraging in their business. And it's MVP is really what's the minimum amount of features and functionality that someone would get value from and invest money in, right? And so you want to be getting feedback and you want to be getting revenue as quickly as possible. The longer you spend pre-building something is the longer it's going to take you to get it in front of your customer to actually get feedback and get revenue, right? And this is all about generating revenue. But more importantly, if you do it in a vacuum or if you're just asking people questions but it's not people who are actually investing in it, you sometimes end up going down and creating a whole lot of stuff that never gets used. And talk about the opposite of lean, right? You're introducing a lot of waste. You're putting a ton of time and energy into something, if not a ton of money into it, depending on who you have helping you to develop and build it. And so you do absolutely to your point, right? You want to just do things more dynamically. You want to focus on MVP. And I'll give you an example of what I did because my natural tendency is very much to try to have everything right and figure it out in advance. It's just kind of how I'm wired. And so I fight against myself a lot to not follow my natural tendency and to actually focus on MVP and do what I teach people to do. And so I had wanted to teach this masterclass. It was a five-day lean-out challenge that I was doing with people to help them lean out their physical and digital workspace, lean out their systems, their finances. Um, and really ultimately get back time in their day and money in their business. And so what I did is I came up with a concept and I communicated that to people. I created a sign-up page and I had people register before I ever created any content. I came up with a structure that said, here's five days, here's the five things I'm going to talk about. And that was it. Every single day, that day, I actually created the content for that night's class. And I posted a worksheet out in my Facebook group an hour before the session went live because that was when I finished it. (laughs) And then I walked people through it, got feedback, and I later turned that into an actual paid program. But that was how I did it. I very much MVP'd it. I got people who were interested. They signed up. They joined me. They got a phenomenal experience. And I created it just in time. And the nice thing about that was each day's content was more relevant because of the feedback and interaction I had the prior day than it would have been if I had gone and pre-created it all. Yes. I've been spending too much time on Clubhouse and I wanted to clap for you using the (laughs) the microphone. (laughs) But yes, like 
Listeners, if Krista's words just smacked you and inspired you to start creating something using just-in-time method, I want to hear about it. And I'm sure Krista does too. So head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pp722 to leave a comment in the down below the show notes. Let us know what you're working on. Let us know where we can lead people to. Let other listeners know what you're creating and where they can go sign up for it. Because Krista, you're absolutely right. A sign up page or even a PayPal link. Go sign up. I always thought the challenges needed to be free, which is, I mean, it wasn't until after I created the Work Smarter, Not Harder Challenge that I realized how many challenges have I signed up for that were free and never even opened up the introductory email. But if I just invested a little bit, I would actually take it seriously or invested more than a little bit. We don't need to create stuff for free. And people get, I've found, Krista, what have you found? When people pay even just a small amount, do they tend to get more out of it? Yeah, I think ultimately it helps you as a business owner too. Even if you charged $27 or $37 for a five-day challenge or something, right? You know yourself that challenge is probably worth $500 or $1,000. But if you're doing that challenge with the goal of upselling people into a course or a group coaching program or working with you privately or something along those lines, then absolutely, if you can charge a small amount for it, any amount, what it does is it weeds out people who are actually serious, right? It kind of naturally leans out <laughs> the people who aren't going to probably follow through, who aren't going to take action and ultimately aren't going to end up working with you. Anybody who is willing to open up their wallet and invest any small amount is much more serious. And they're just showing a different level of commitment. They're saying, I want to do this enough that I'm willing to pay something for it which means they're much more likely to show up. And I don't know about you, but especially if you do paid ads, the last thing on earth is when you pay a small fortune to get a whole bunch of people to sign up for a training that you're doing, and then you talk to crickets and there's like nobody there. And you're like, why did I just invest in all of these people? And now they're on my mailing list. What do I do with them? (laughs) Are they even interested in what I'm talking about? And so that does just help people show that they're a little bit more serious and they do tend to convert better into whatever the upsell offer is that you have. So in the spirit of not positive productivity, not working smarter or harder, not doing less to achieve more, this work smarter, not harder challenge that I created was a 30-day challenge. I can't even make it through a five-day challenge. (laughs) That does take some commitment. (laughs) Yes, but I created it. It's out there now. This was a prime example of not getting feedback before I created right? Like, what do you need help with? I just brain dumped all over a piece of paper and started working. I was working in the vacuum. How do you recommend, and I know we've already talked about this because it's lean out. How do we unstuck our vacuum? How do we get that sock out so we're not working in the vacuum anymore? What's the first step that you recommend? Yeah, to me, again, it all comes down to that clarity around what's important right now. So if you don't already have your context set, start there. But otherwise, have that 90-day plan. And what you're going to find is a couple different things. And there's a technique that I developed called CHUCK. And I highly recommend that you guys implement this. It's super simple to do. CHUCK stands for cut, hold, change, keep. But once you have clarity on what's actually important in the next 90 days and you know what your focus is, run the different things that you're doing through cut, hold, change, or keep. And there's a few different things that you want to consider. First is return on investment. 
are you actually getting an ROI for the time, money, or energy that you're investing in the thing that you're doing, right? If you're not getting it at all, then maybe you want to cut that. Or if nothing else, at least put it on hold, right? It's probably not something that you want to keep alignment when you think about that context and where you're going and your vision and your business model. Is it still aligned with where you want to take your business? Or is it something that you used to do that really doesn't serve your next level of business growth? Right. If that's the case and it's not in alignment, then again, you probably want to cut it. You want to put it on hold or maybe you want to change it so that it becomes more relevant and aligns a little bit more with where you want to take your business. Fulfillment. Is this something you actually still enjoy doing? Or do you kind of dread it like your corporate friends dread Monday morning, right? (laughs) Like if you're dreading it, you do not want to keep doing it. That is an absolute clear sign of something that you want to cut or you want to change it in such a way that you can either automate it or delegate it to somebody if you have a team. And then investment. Are you doing something now that's going to actually pay off in the future? So maybe you're not seeing that immediate return on investment, but things like SEO or relationship building or things of that nature that have a longer tail that you know are the right things to be doing in your business, but maybe you're not seeing an immediate return, you know, is it providing that investment? And I think you want to consider these questions all the time on everything that you're doing. I recommend people do it every 30 days, but super simple. Like literally take a piece of paper, put four boxes on it, cut, hold, change, keep, and just go through and evaluate what you're doing. And then you could take it to the next level and look at your offers. You could look at, you could run your entire business through this but start with the things that are on your to-do list and your activities. Oh, I could give you a big sloppy kiss just for the fulfillment part. Yep. For the longest time, I thought that fulfillment was e-commerce, right? Filling orders, warehouses. I worked at American Honda for a little bit before I started my business. So it was a parts distribution center. That's what I thought fulfillment meant. It never occurred to me after I started building funnels that the fulfillment came after the strategy that I would go in and I would build. Well, I became the sock in my vacuum because I was the only one that was actually building this stuff. And I started to resent the building because that's where all the stress came and that's where the back the backlog came in. And I really love the strategy. I love it, but I don't need to be building it. So my 90-day vision, and I want to know yours too, my 90-day vision is actually to to begin working on building the agency so that I am the strategist and the mentor. I work on developing the strategy and then it gets turned over to a team member who is amazing at building the funnels actually, who's amazing with design and can build out the pages and then do all the, whatever it is, Facebook messenger bots, I don't know, you know, whatever it is, they build it out, but I don't need to be the build out person anymore. And that, that would be the key. That will be the key to getting all of my nights and weekends back unless I'm traveling. Yeah, absolutely. And just circle back to fulfillment. That's also your key to having fulfillment in what you're doing. Because I always talk about there's things that fuel you and there's things that drain you, right? And I don't know about you, but if you're a vision person, probably the execution is draining to you, or at least it is over time. Absolutely. Yeah. The vision stuff is probably fueling to you. You could do that all day long, right? <laughs> I could do that 24 seven. I mean, I do. I come up with ideas everywhere, but I don't want to be building them. I don't know if you know, Krista, that I have chronic idea disorder. That's what I call it. From the bathroom to the car, to taking walks, to being in bed on my exercise bike, I get ideas everywhere. And if I had people that were building it instead of me, oh my gosh. It could be the Kim Empire. 
but I get so wrapped up in being the fulfillment manager myself that no, I'm not fulfilled because I'm just frustrated because everything is stuck. I like that. When you're not fulfilled, you're frustrated. (laughs) I feel like that's a, a nice little tagline there, but it's true, right? So if that is your brilliance, right? If your brilliance is those ideas, then you really want to step into visionary leadership, have that team around you that is going to be able to go off and execute your brilliant ideas and really get behind them and champion them and make you know them generate the results that you ultimately have in mind. And your challenge is just simply going to be choosing which idea to do next. <laughs> you have just like totally kicked my butt for the next 90 days. And I'm going to call it the fulfilled squared plan. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you can take that. Go run with it. That's not my idea. That's yours. But fulfilled squared. I'm going to put that on a post-it and tape it to my... Yes, I realize that post-its are sticky people, but my kids take post-its off of things. So I always have to back it up with tape. That's going to be on my laptop monitor. I love it. (laughs) What does your next 90 days look like for you? So I have some really big, bold moves that I am making in my business in this next 90 day period of time that I'm quite excited about. So Q1, my major focus was launching my podcast, which I did, which was excellent. And going into Q2, I'm actually changing my ideal target market. Um, I'm eliminating my primary revenue stream and I am reimagining my own business model. And today I split my time. I work quite a bit with these really large, like Fortune 50 corporate clients. And I've done that for more than 20 years. And I also work with entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and small business owners. And over time, I've found that my fulfillment is really in working with the entrepreneurs and small business owners and being a lot closer to the impact Um, and the transformation in their business. So I'm actually rounding out an engagement with my current corporate consulting client, and I am not going to extend or renew or take on any more corporate consulting clients. So this next 90 days, my goal is to really transition and reimagine my business model so that I can work with the target market that really fuels me and who I want to work with and support. I can only begin to understand what that must feel like. I told you I let my biggest client go at the end of 2019 and they were providing 100% of my work. And all of that was based on building funnels. So in the spirit of total transparency, which positive productivity always is, in 2019, I worked with no less than 30 clients. In 2020, I worked with four clients. So from 30 down to four, let's just use those numbers that might not be totally correct. And my income was a third that it was in 2019. But I was so much more fulfilled because I wasn't working 24-7. It was totally worth it. Totally worth it. Yeah, thank you. So I can totally understand the need for fulfillment. I've had clients recommend that I try corporate, but I didn't want to deal with the bureaucracy and the hierarchy and waiting for things to get approved. Do you want this or don't you want it? Yes, good. Now we don't have to go through 18 steps to get approval from the accounting department. Speaking of accounting, I just want to touch on that really fast because this is something that I was thinking about as far as lean out. When accounting is not my, it's not my bag. It's not my thing at all. Both my parents were accountants. I can't stand looking at numbers. I can hardly balance my checkbook. And it's been recommended to me over and over again that I outsource my bookkeeping and everything, which I agree I should, but not doing it has saved me and just hold out because I know listeners based upon our conversation already are thinking, well, you should invest. That's a good investment. You're doing things that you shouldn't be. 
I need to say that it saved me so much money just because I've seen all the extra stuff that I'm spending money on that I shouldn't have. So I'm finally, I've cut back on everything that I don't need. And I don't mean just because I didn't have money. I've cut back on it because I didn't need it. I wasn't using it. I signed up for it because it was in my inbox. And that's, don't sign up for things just because you get it in your inbox today. Make a wish list on what you think you might need for your goals for the next 90 days and then consider it. But that has been key to get my operating expenses back to where they needed to be because I was personally looking at my numbers and I'm very thankful for that. Ideally, I would have outsourced that already, but if I had outsourced it, I don't know that somebody would have brought to my attention that I had four different social media scheduling tools, right? They would have just been balancing my books. So no, it's fulfilled squared. Thank you. Like that alone, I like to say that podcast episodes are like personal coaching sessions. I don't ever want them to feel that way to the guests, but you just gave me a personal coaching session today. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. And I hope, you know, for all of you listening, there's some things that you can take away too. And make sure that the things you're doing on a day-to-day basis are actually in alignment with where you want to go. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Krista, for listeners who want to get in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing and, and connect with you, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is leanoutmethod.com. You can find all of the things there. I'm assuming you're all podcast listeners if you're listening here. So if you go to leanoutpodcast.com, that's where you can find mine. But otherwise, everything's at leanoutmethod.com. Awesome. And congratulations on your podcast, by the way. Thank you. I'm excited to finally get that going. That's been on the list for a long time. And I finally created the space for it this year. Fabulous. Now I'm curious, are you using Reels? I just got to throw this out there for listeners who may have podcasts as well. Are you using Reels at all to market your podcast? I am not. I have not gone down the (laughs) the Reels channel yet. At some point, I will. I just hired a sales and marketing manager and she is phenomenal. So she will be able to open me up to some of those things that will help optimize what I'm doing. But right now I use Instagram and it's very most basic sense. Full disclosure, I'm not using reels to market my podcast either. Okay. I made, I made a toilet paper reel. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I unrolled a roll of toilet paper and had a message on it. But I've heard that it's a good way to get the word out. So, you know, that will be something for me to outsource because again, I don't want to be fulfilling my social media. That's not fulfilling to me. Seriously, I could give, I'm giving you a huge virtual hug right now because I can't even express. This is just one of those conversations. I told you I'm stubborn. This is that conversation that's been had 17 times and you were just the 18th and you said it exactly how I needed to hear it. So thank you times (laughs) 18,000. Well, you're welcome. And, you know, thank you to all the people who came the 17 times before that got you ready to hear it today. (laughs) I would love to know a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you have for the listeners today? Yeah, absolutely. So based on everything that we talked about today, I think one of the things that I will leave you with is to build off of everything. So at this point, you've got your context, you know where you're you're going, you've got your clarity, you know what to be doing in the next 90 days. Leverage what I call strengths-based scheduling. So as you look at your day, schedule to your strengths. A, make sure that you are spending your time doing the things that are fulfilling to you and that you love and build that team around you 
just as we've been talking about so that they can take those other things off your plate and do what they love, um, which is, you know, complementary to what you do. But on top of that, as you structure your day and as you look at how you can work most productively, play to your strengths. If you are a morning person, do the most important things in the morning. Schedule focus blocks in the morning. Um, If you are a night owl, do it then. But leverage strengths-based scheduling so that you're doing the things that you are uniquely skilled to do and you are doing them at the, the most important things at the times of day when you are at your personal best and you will see just a huge increase in productivity. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.